Hello and welcome to a very, very jet-lagged episode <laughs> of the podcast. With me today, I have Kit, as usual. Say hi. Hi. I'm not jet-lagged, fortunately. Question mark. So, last we left off on this lovely, lovely podcast, I mentioned that I was going on a trip. And thankfully, nothing has happened in the past month, so I can spend quite a bit of time talking about this trip. <laughs> I was in the UK for two weeks. You may have noticed a significant lack of Yu-Gi-Oh content while I was gone. <laughs> I gotta tell you, man. So before before we get into the specifics of this trip, I did not bring a mouse with me because I figured a mouse would not survive like the trip in my backpack. It would get crushed by all my other stuff I had to bring. Mm-hmm. So I just brought the laptop and a controller because I wanted to play some Genshin while I was while I was away. I only played Genshin once the entire trip, by the way. <laughs> I was sharing a hotel room with my brother, and we were like, "Hey, let's do some Genshin runs." And I never came back to it. But so not having a mouse limits the kind of games you can play. Can't play Halo, for example. Can't play Prehistoric Kingdom, which is a lovely game, by the way. You should go check that out. <laughs> you know what you can play with a mouse? Yu-Gi-Oh. So I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. It didn't help that the new update came out, which added my boy Destroy Phoenix Enforcer into the game. He has broken the game in a such a lovely, lovely way. Congratulations on winning. Yeah, it's great. It's even, you know what's even better? Reading all the comments about it. Everyone on r slash Master were complaining about DPE. Just thank you so much. It makes me so happy. Just draw the out, man. Just draw the out. It's fine. But yeah, no, that's besides the point. So where do we where do we start with this episode? I don't know. Maybe show how ancient I am in the whole of uh, that we know as Minecraft YouTubers. Oh yeah, Minecraft YouTubers. <laughs> that's that's a whole thing now. Uh, do they still go at it? I don't know. Oh, uh, what what do you mean? Like are Minecraft YouTubers still a thing? I assume that they all evolved into something else. I mean, as long as it's there, Roblox and and stuff like that, you know, people will still play Minecraft. I have I have a bizarrely like it's fun watching people play Minecraft together and stuff. Uh-huh. But then the moment it gets too RP, I'm I'm out. <laughs> like it's one of the things I hate the most about the Hololive fandom is they get way too into the the Minecraft RP stuff and I'm just like, "Okay, Okay, we're done. We're done. I forgot most of you are very, very young and so are susceptible to this. We, we, we gotta get out. Like the funny thing is, I got into Minecraft because of said RP. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you may know this ancient thing known as a uh, Shadow of Israfel. I don't. But if you were into Minecraft at that point in time, so there was this huge. Overarching story in Minecraft featuring these two dudes, uh, Lewis and Simon, with their avatars, Zephos and Honeydew. One of them has his skin in a Star Trek guy, and the other is a dwarf. So, running jokes include Jaffa cakes and whatever the hell they were doing back then. And somehow it spun off into this huge story, which I don't believe has an end because they just got kind of sick and tired of it. And honestly, I can't blame them. And that was probably also around the time I dropped out because I had other interests besides Minecraft. Hooray! Yeah, yeah no, that's Minecraft is just it's wild. Uh, I should point out. Speaking of the Yogs cast, yeah, so I was in Bristol. I was in Bristol for two whole weeks. She was she was great, man. Like uh, my brother is a huge Yogs cast fan, so because I know nothing about the Yogs cast, I just know Diggy Diggy Hole. <laughs> that's, 
but that's about it. But so I brought my I brought my brother to like the Queen Square, which is where they do that annual uh, charity stream where they just leave the camera running there. Uh huh. And then apparently they uh, invested in the board, local board game cafe. It's called Chance Encounters. But so yeah, so it was, it's so weird because I studied in Bristol for a whole year. So I just knew these places as places. And then I bring my brother and he's like, no, but this is the place that this happened. Ha, <laughs> like, huh, bizarre. That's not important. The important thing is it's a 12 hour flight to the UK if you take it direct. And that means a lot of time to watch things on the plane. So I caught up on some great movies that I missed, including the legendary Space Jam 2. <laughs> I should point out, I was hoping we could record this episode yesterday and wore a Space Jam shirt to work to, to help with the bit so you guys know that I love Space Jam. <laughs> Here's one of the things, right? Okay, okay. So people call Space Jam 2 a soulless cash-in as if the first one wasn't. <laughs> you, no one brought Michael Jordan into their thing if it wasn't like a cash grab. Like, this is the spirit of Space Jam. And I suppose it'd be heresy for me to say that I've watched neither of the movies, so... I, I mean, whatever, to... that's your life. <laughs> but yeah, no, the only thing I know about is is that it's called Space Jam and Michael Jordan is there, Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes, whatever. Yeah, well, he's, he's in the first one. So the second one is LeBron James because... And here's the thing, I don't know much about basketball, but even I know what Michael Jordan is. Right? I mean, he he's the main character of Chaos in the Windy City. You know, master of the elemental basketball. I do not know LeBron James. <laughs> so it is weird to be like, you know, to see the, the mere implication that LeBron is on MJ's level. But again, I know nothing about basketball. He could probably have done like some dunks. I, but I do want to talk about his character in the movie because... So Michael Jordan in Spade, First Space Jam is literally just Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know what LeBron is, like as a character. His character in Space Jam 2 is bizarre because he is this super strict basketball dad like forcing his kids to play basketball <laughs> and he keeps talking about his fundamentals and stuff. This is what I love about so the plot of the movie for Space Jam 2 is that his son is into basketball and also into game development and he makes his own basketball game and he creates Kusoge basketball. <laughs> Because the dad tries playing the game and he's like, oh yeah, you know, your fundamentals need to be important. And then the dad's like, no. And the son's like, no, dad. Look, you can do combos <laughs> and super moves. And he's like, what? This isn't basketball. And it sounds like every Street Fighter player I've ever met <laughs> who watches someone else play an anime fighter. It's the best. <laughs> and this is a big part of the game, by the way. Yeah, the, the big climax of the movie is them having to play this Kusoge basketball game. Nice. It's freaking great. I love it. <laughs> Weirdly enough, like, I heard about the, the whole WB cross-brand promotional stuff. It's not as prominent as I thought it would be outside of that one montage that got shared on Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. Which is because LeBron is literally just like, I'm gonna go recruit all the Warner Brothers characters. <laughs> I then... feel like he would die when he sees Kuroko no Basuke, but... Oh, the, on, on the whole Kusoge thing? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Then also he goes on his whole montage and it's like... I, had, I heard this brought up before, you know, back when the iron was still hot. Which is, who is this movie for? Because it references Austin Powers and Casablanca. <laughs> Two movies that even I haven't seen. <laughs> and I was like 10 when Goldmember came out. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, okay, I don't want to say it's a good movie. It was pretty bad, but it was a wild experience. Just turn off your brain for a little bit. 
I gotta say, so I think Warner Brothers has some sort of deal with Mars because of all the in-flight entertainment is Warner Brothers stuff. <laughs> and I gotta say, like, Warner Brothers has been trying to do the like they wanna do that multiverse thing so badly, like some sort of like cross-brand thing. Because mm-hmm. we got multiverses, that's just a fighting game. And we have this, and then we also have the the other movie that I wanted to play, which is the Scooby-Doo movie. It's just called Scoob. And first of all, that is a terrible Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> No one in that movie acts like, you know, the Scooby-Doo characters that you know. This was literally like someone tried to write their own movie and someone said, okay, but can we paint Scooby-Doo over it? It's someone's knockoff fan fiction. Yeah, Fred at no point builds a trap in the movie. That's how you know it's bad. <laughs> However, I kind of liked it. Like, if I pretend it's not a Scooby-Doo movie, it's pretty, pretty okay. So it kind of like combines a bunch of Hanna-Barbera cartoons together. And that's, that's how you know I'm old. <laughs> Like, hey kids, do you know what a Hanna-Barbera is? I bet not. Oh god. And how, how long has it been already? Exactly. And so like, a bunch of characters appear. Like, the implication is that they, they're just there. It's not some like, oh, this is the multiverse. No, they're, they're, they're just there. And uh, my favorite thing is, there's this character. I don't remember if he had his own cartoon or if he just appeared in other Hanna-Barbera cartoons. But he's called the Blue Falcon. He's this cool-looking superhero was a robot dog sidekick. And I love the fact that they had enough respect for the Blue Falcon that the version of him that appears in the movie is explicitly not the Blue Falcon from the cartoons. It is his younger son. Okay. Because his introduction is him being launched into a ship with, you know, there's that one song that plays that you know an animation movie is trying hard to pander to the kids if they have this song. Uh-huh. Is that all I do is win, 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 win. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just this giant douche nozzle. Like, he's a giant dude, bro. It's great. He's played by... I can't remember who, who he's played by. I think it's Mark Wahlberg. It's not, one of those guys. And he's doing like a weird Ryan Reynolds impersonation. Like, I thought he was Ryan Reynolds at first. Then got the credits. Like, oh, it's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. It's great. That movie, that movie is wild. But, however, I do like Scooby-Doo and the fact that none of the characters act like anyone from Scooby-Doo is not great. Not so great. But, yeah, that's those are the movies that I watched. I also watched Batman Brave and the Bold. That series is great. Ba- Batman what? The Brave and the Bold. This old cartoon series. So, Brave and the Bold was this comic series about Batman teaming up with every character in the DC Universe. So, the cartoon series is also that. It has one big problem with it, which is uh, it jerks off Batman way too much. (laughs) Like, it had a really touching episode about the Flash. It's about the three Flashes. There's Old Flash, The Flash, and Kid Flash. And so it's this whole thing where regular Flash supposedly died in a fight with Reverse Flash. And then they discover that, no, he didn't actually die. He opened the portal to another dimension and now they're looking for him. And then at the end of the day, it's Batman who defeats Reverse Flash and it's just like, but why though? That feels a little weird. <laughs> this is a very Flash-centric episode. Batman didn't need to be the one who defeated Reverse Flash. You know, when you first said the name, I thought it was like the bow and the beautiful and expected a telenovela. I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> Give me a Batman telenovela any day. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's the shit I watched on the plane. My point was WB hinges on their superhero stuff so much. Like anytime they do one of these crossover things, they have to work in that they own all, all the DC superheroes. Like even in school, like the first of all, the mystery in kids being like having smartphones when they were kids. I take frenzy damage when I see. 
there's a, the start of the movie is them on Halloween together as kids and they go into a dark house and someone pulls out their phone and turns on the flashlight and at that point I just have you ever seen the Bloodborne like frenzy meter that's I just started taking the build up secondly is yeah so of course Daphne the the pretty girl is dressed as Wonder Woman because we gotta, gotta remind everyone hey we own Wonder Woman and isn't Wonder Woman equals feminism I think so hell yeah Ugh. <laughs> 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 so yeah, no. Every single time, like DC does some sort of like thing. Even in in Space Jam, like the, when LeBron realized he has to build a team out of Warner Brothers characters, he goes, "Oh man, I'm gonna get Superman on my team," <laughs> and it's just like, ah. Uh. Also, big shout out to the Iron Giant who continues to live on as the most mismarketed character ever because the Iron Giant brackets movie is. explicitly about him wanting to be more than just like you know big smash robot and yet in every appearance he has made he is the big smash robot he does that in ready player 1 he doesn't do that in space jam but lebron explicitly mentions that he wants him to <laughs> to be the big smash robot in space jam and he's a fighting game character in multiverse yeah i i i heard a lot about it and supposed to have watched the movie but it's still sitting in my hard drive waiting for me to get to it and properly cry i suppose yeah it's a really good movie someday i i promise from me <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, so that's that's Warner Brothers, I guess. Get that out, get it out of the way. It's it's weird like the the amount of flex they have to do that. Oh no, we own we own the superheroes. And it's always Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Like where's Kite Man? What can what It's like it's like a people posing with your Funko Pops, I suppose. Here, we have the things. We have the thing, guys. We have the thing. But yeah, aside from that, UK was great. I went wandering around and found this history of video games exhibition, which is really good. Uh, if you're listening to this in Bristol, it's at the galleries. I highly recommend it. It's I think like ten pounds for for an hour and thirteen pounds if you want to go there for the whole day. But you may think, why would you want a, a whole day pass in an exhibition? Because they have free to play arcade machines. Oh that! Oh man, I I just miss arcade so much. It's it's noisy as hell and all that, but the oh, yeah. feel. Oh yeah, definitely. So you know, I was expecting you know just the usual like you know maybe they'll have Mortal Kombat one, <laughs> probably Tekken and and a Street Fighter, mm-hmm. and all of this was true. Those were all there. But then I turn the corner and what do I find? But Blaze Blue Calamity Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh no! I was supposed to help someone look for souvenirs that day. I didn't because I played Blaze Blue. <laughs> that game's good. <laughs> Here, here's my thirteen pounds for another day, please. David. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bought the third, the whole day because the guy, the guy told me about the arcade machines up front, so I was just like, yeah, sure. Uh, they also had like a bunch of like old consoles as well. Like they had a Sega Genesis, they had a, they had a PS One, they had a PS Two, I think. PS One is an old console. Oh god. It is an old console. My, my bones. It doesn't even have a hard drive. That's how, that's how old it is. But yeah, so you had, uh, you had all these, and my favorite thing that I found there, aside from the blade machine, para para. Do you remember para para? Very very vaguely, that was one of those arcade things, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that game cannot exist outside of an arcade. And was I'm, it the move movement based? Uh, yeah yeah. So it's, the arrows are like above you, so you gotta do like left right diagonals and up. It's like a half circle around you. That shit is so much fun. And the best part is, is catalog is Eurobeat. <laughs> oh damn. Yeah. Time to go hard on it. <laughs> yeah, I played a lot of Parvara. I don't know. 
I was like the high score there because I think <laughs> white people are just scared of the power power <laughs> I didn't play back then when it was an arcade because I think I was too short for it. And that's hmm. Yeah, they they had DDR as well. But here's the thing: I walked so much around Bristol, my legs were in pain, so I couldn't play DDR. So just just the just the upper arms workout. Yeah. Time. So thank thank God for Para Para. But you yeah, know, it is a really really cool exhibition. Like they also have like a bunch of like showing you the different generations of games. And then because it's Bristol, which is just a stone's throw away from Wales, every exhibit comes in English and Welsh. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what's it? Oh, it's Welsh. Surprise. Look at all those consonants. All those consonants chained together. But you know, really, really cool exhibition. I don't know how long it's gonna be there. So if you're listening to this in the UK, I highly recommend checking it out. The other stuff I did was we I watched Prehistoric Planet. Like this is a very scatterbrained list of things <laughs> that I did because I somehow managed to squeeze that in on my vacation as well. I re- I wrote a review on it. You guys can go check it out. Basically, the backstory you need to know is that I fucking love dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are great. And Prehistoric Planet is a very good dinosaur documentary. Shout out to the deadliest thing in that entire documentary not being a t-rex it is a mosquito there is a scene where a baby dinosaur is eaten alive by mosquitoes it is horrifying as someone who lives in the tropics (laughs) it is a very real fear of mine and it is horrifying Oh boy. I was having discussions with my friend, like that entire like five plot documentary conditioned me to be scared anytime a baby dinosaur appears on screen because bad things happen when a baby dinosaur <laughs> appears on screen. Like they get eaten by other dinosaurs, giant frogs, mosquitoes, they get killed by the cold. They get, like they only appear on screen to show how brutal the world is because look, the babies didn't make it. No infant immortality here. No, in this is not Lego Star Wars. <laughs> Your babies are very vulnerable. And you cannot do infinite combos. You cannot do infinite <laughs> combos. They will die. But yeah, no, it's really, really cool. Highly recommend it if you have Apple TV. And even if you don't get Apple TV, it's really <laughs> like this is one of the series that I think you absolutely should get Apple TV for if you like dinosaurs. Especially since Jurassic World comes out, you need something to watch that t- that bad taste. <laughs> But at least uh, Jurassic World got one thing right. Even if it's all deadly and shit, the corporate doesn't care. Yeah, that's a <laughs> dude. I said this in my review, but Jurassic World Dominion, eh, not Dominion. The what's the park builder? Ah, Jurassic World Evolution. Yeah, Jurassic World Evolution Two is the most on-message Jurassic Park-related <laughs> thing I've ever seen because it is so easy for those dinosaurs to get out that eventually you realize like oh no we were never meant to keep these wild animals in cages and maybe we shouldn't have brought them back from the dead <laughs> it's like oh wow you that is the most on brand messaging i walked away with that being like man shouldn't play god <laughs> You have way much more fun just letting the dinosaurs walk around and do what they want in that game. Be free, that's be free. I still want to do this. I haven't had the time to, to do it. I, I might do it in Prehistoric Kingdom since I have that installed. I want to do a reverse dinosaur cage. Uh-huh. So what actually is in the cage is the human walkways. <laughs> And the dinosaurs are just roaming around doing whatever the hell they want. I'll see how far I can get away with that. One more thing about Jurassic World Dominion is the... I don't know if you've seen any of the promotional materials of that movie. That movie is insane. There, I saw a 30 second clip of what is called a pyroraptor. As one of their new pheasant raptors. So they can say, oh, look, see, we did follow the science. Except it looks like shit. Uh, 
That, but that's not that's not the complaint. The complaint is it does this monster hunter level thing where it burrows under the ice in like a second and then like runs under the ice and then burrows back out. Like it straight up does a Diablos thing from Monster Hunter and I don't know why. But I guess it looks cool for the promotion material. I guess so. Like I want to see the Jurassic movies through that lens of so stupid it's cool. <laughs> But a lot of them are just stupid. Like, uh, I hate at the end of the first Jurassic World, where it legit has a scene of the T-Rex and the Velociraptor talking to each other to take down, like, the, the I-Rex. And then, like, it literally gets Deus Ex Machina out of existence because they corner pressure it. And then a Mosasaur comes out with the grab and finishes it off. I thought I heard you say Moses, then like, what? wait a minute. Yeah, yeah Moses, <laughs> Moses defeated dinosaurs, guys. You heard it here first. We speak only the truth. Not mm. only did he split the Red Sea with a Beyblade, he defeated the dinosaurs. Exactly, exactly. Well, we don't know that he didn't defeat the dinosaurs with a Beyblade either. He might have. We, we don't have enough historical documents to confirm that he didn't... Because Beyblades aren't consumable, right? Like, I assume after he split the Red Sea, he picked it back up. <laughs> Then he got to the other side where there were dinosaurs and he was like, let my people go! <laughs> and then he launched the Beyblade into them and yeah, and that's why that's why bit beasts exist. They're actually the souls of dinosaurs that he trapped <laughs> in the Beyblades! Oh, that makes sense. This is this is a wild episode. Uh, that's how it happened, actually. I heard that they found like, you know, you can find like fossilized like footprints and stuff. So you can see in the bottom of the Red Sea, you can see the track where the Beyblade <laughs> ran across. <laughs> Immortalized forever. God bless. God bless. Because you know that Moses, the important, that's the important takeaway is that Moses defeated the dinosaurs. <laughs> he may have been using a Beyblade. The problem is we don't have any evidence of dinosaur footprints and Beyblade marks at the same time. Because what scientists believe is that he launched the Beyblade and it like bounced off a tree and then basically Blanca balled its way into a dinosaur. This bit is going on way longer than it needs to, but... But yeah, so that was basically my time in the UK. Oh no, we do have one more story before we get out. This is not UK related. So that's why we, we have to talk about it because it won't be funny next next month when, when we're talking about Moses again. Uh, what's your diversity score? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here, but I suppose my diversity score would be at least slightly above average, whatever that may be. Yeah, so Activision Blizzard King has a diversity tracker to score your My favorite thing is, okay, so first of all, this was totally a smokescreen because they got caught union busting over the Raven Software QA thing. However, this story is also incredibly stupid and we will run with it. So they showed off the new technology that they've been developing to help video games be more diverse. It is a tracker. You simply put in all the details about your character and it scores them to show you your diversity score. And it looks like one of those Jojo spider charts. <laughs> with things like culture, ability, sexuality, gender identity. Uh, I think body shape was part yeah, of it. Yeah, body shape is one of, one of it as well. It's the, the most wild thing. And my favorite thing is the level of backtracking because apparently in the first version of the article that they posted, they talked about how you know we're using this technology to make Overwatch 2 more diverse than ever. And then like after the backlash, because hey, surprise, that is literally tokenism. Uh, they went and said, we are not using this for any games right now. This is just a silly thing that we made on the side and we're hoping to use in future. 
And then apparently someone found an old GDC where they already talked about it. So, you know, the important takeaway is that they are union busting at Ravensoft. <laughs> <laughs> the Ravensoftware attempts to unionize. But yeah, no, diversity score. I love the idea of this too because you basically, you basically have this implication that First of all, it confirms what everyone suspected about Overwatch, which is, yeah, no, they literally were finding places to like, oh no, if we make it X level of diverse, then it'll be okay. Second thing is someone looked through the screenshots before they were deleted and confirmed a second fan theory, which is that every Overwatch character is actually straight and then they just kind of like make them gay when they, when they have a bad <laughs> news day. Because literally the only gay characters in Overwatch are the ones that had a big reveal. So you know, like Tracer with the comic and Soldier 76 with the... I don't remember when he came... I think it was like a short story or something. They mentioned he had a boyfriend. I guess. I guess. Because like... Like, much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's just like so many little bits of, that you need to keep track of and like, huh? And more importantly, they can easily be cut out for when you want to market the game <laughs> in China. I, I bet the Chinese voice lines for Soldier 76 is, I have a wife! <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Make, making fun of uh, forced diversity is always gonna be funny. Especially because it has quantifiable value, like culture is the weirdest one. So Egyptian has a higher culture score than I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, but yeah, because Anna has one of like the highest culture scores. So they assume that it is worth seven points versus I can't remember one one of the other characters. But man, so Overwatch is kind of a dumpster fire, huh? Uh-huh. Like so, so so much for diversity if they want to subsume Raven Soft, huh? <laughs> Maybe you should diversify the game quality. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Overwatch 2 was a dumpster fire. Well, it was only a PvP beta, but eh. Nah, it's certainly not worth being called Overwatch 2. All they did was cut one player from each team and made it so you could only have one tank per team. That is gonna be so bad. Mainly because I only play Diva. <laughs> I haven't played Overwatch in years now. Neither have I. I used to main Mercy, then God knows what happened to her. Oh god, you were one of those. You were one of those people who like... I remember when Overwatch first came out, like a lot of people who don't play FPSs played, uh, played Overwatch and so they would all play Mercy and so it created this like weird elitist support culture. Uh-huh. Where it's just like everyone's just like... I don't know how to describe it, but it was just weird like, oh my god, you know, I'm so weird because I'm, I'm the healer and I, so I just stick by my tank. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do! Oh, well, the thing is that I'm, I am really bad at aiming, so Soldier 76 aside, I just really prefer playing support because I, I suppose I'm a masochist or something. I'm yeah, stuck they, in they, support main all the time, whatever I play. They, yeah, they created that whole mythology about the Because that's when the whole like mythology about healers being this like super violent people who hate them. <laughs> that it came out when Overwatch came out. It was, and I was just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Healers are the coolest, most interesting people <laughs> on the planet. You guys live the best lives. Hallelujah. Whereas everyone else in the team is just a one-note character stereotype. But yeah, no. Man, Overwatch hasn't been fun in like five years. I played it at launch where it was pretty fun. Like I would play like every weekend. Then by 2017, I didn't want to play it anymore. I got it when I was on sale. Then put in a little bit for the Chinese New Year loot boxes. And then after oh, yeah, that, yeah. I just 
left. I guess. Overwatch is when I learned that Gacha is dangerous because <laughs> I was spending way too much money to try and get Witch Mercy. Ah, yes, that one. Yeah, and then suddenly I was just like, oh. Like, I think I spent like a hundred bucks trying to. Oh, damn. Even back then, I was like, uh, $13. Mm. And then, like, another $10 for loot boxes. Eh. Like, as if I wasn't spending a lot on Japanese gacha games, but whatever. Shh. Yeah, that was before. This is the before times. Uh-huh. But, anyways, the point of this is that notice how we had more to say about Overwatch at launch than Overwatch 2. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> Like, a game can be, like, mechanically bad, and at least it'll be interesting. Quote, New Vegas. Uh, I still say combat in that game is f***ing terrible. Um, but, you know, at least it's good. Overwatch 2, from what I've heard, is just boring. Which is a shame, because I heard, like, there were some interesting changes, like Bastion being able to transform mid-air now. Oh, damn. Like, that sounds like cool ideas, but here's the thing. I know Overwatch, the moment, like, some pro-Korean player complains, that, that you're gonna go back to boring. Like Overwatch is the poster boy for competitive esports ruined this game. And that's part of why I dropped off in 2017. Everyone wanted to play ranked and ranked took forever. It went from, oh look, the games are like so quick, in 12 minutes you can finish a game, to no, it's a 30 minute slog now. <sighs> oh well. I think it's the second month in a row I complained about it. Cause I think I complained about Gundam Evolution last episode as well, <laughs> which has the exact same problem. But hey! Again, like I said, we had more to say about launch Overwatch than we did about... And uh, with that, Ben is pointing a gun at me right now to end (laughs) this episode. So that's an episode for us. We'll see you next month when we're dying from E3. Uh Uh-huh. Oh god, E3. Yeah! I mean, E3 E3, with uh, asterisks, I suppose. Since we don't have it this year. It's like the that headquarters of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like in the head of a giant cele- dead celestial. Same thing, like the summer games events are all taking place in the corpse of E3. So, you know, stay tuned for that. You think I'm tired now? Wait till you see next month. Oh boy. This has been another episode of The Brave Room. Take care, guys. Take care.